Welcome back, Utah skiers and riders, and thank you for joining us on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast presented by High West Distillery. It's holiday time in Utah with some nice powder falling as we head into Christmas. As always, thanks to Utah's own Pixie and the Partygrass Boys for kicking it off today. Ski Utah's Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West's passion is crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey, all in the context of our home here in the American West. I'm hoping Santa is actually bringing me a bottle of Campfire for Christmas, or if I've been especially good, maybe one of those hard-to-find bottles of Midwinter Night's Dram. If you're visiting this winter, join me at one of High West's three must-visit locations in Park City and Wanship, just a short distance out of town. This episode of Last Chair is also brought to you by Stein Erickson Lodge and Deer Valley Resort. I was just out on the hill at Deer Valley yesterday. Wonderful day with amazing early season skiing, actually, and a nice blanket of fresh snow falling as I left that afternoon. Deer Valley is well known for its hospitality and dining, and I just love the diversity of offerings from the grocery cafe on your way to the hill, the turkey chili at Silver Lake Lodge, and fireside dining at Empire Lodge in the evening. Today we'll meet the smiling chef who is responsible for managing one of the most diverse food and beverage operations you can imagine. Jody Rogers grew up passionate about skiing and learned to cook at an early age. From Australia to Utah with a stop on the way in London, she landed to Deer Valley in 1997 and quickly rose up through the ranks, being named food and beverage director five years ago. An award-winning chef and hospitality manager, she's a popular leader for her team, and I honestly don't know how she juggles it all. Ever wonder how many gallons of turkey chili Deer Valley serves in a day? Well, we'll see if Jody can tell us today. Let's head to Snow Park Lodge at Deer Valley to meet Jody Rogers. And I am here this afternoon at Deer Valley with Jody Rogers. And Jody, thank you so much for joining us here at Deer Valley. Had a wonderful ski day, a lot of terrain open. I hope you've had a chance to get out there. You know, um, on my plan, I, I said, uh, you know, I'm going to go out today, and then it didn't happen. Tomorrow is it. Tomorrow is the day. However, I did walk on the snow with my three-year-old, so I think that counts, right? Well, that totally counts. Okay, good. She was on skis, so I was just pulling her. <laughs> so are, are we dragging you out of the kitchen this afternoon? Actually, um, I'm going there tonight. That would be my position tonight is to go and help uh, the kitchen or the front of house, whoever needs me, whoever wants me. Um, you drag me out of my office, which is even better. Do you, are you actually spending a lot of time on the line or are you more in a managerial role? I think um, more managerial now and I, I so miss the kitchen. Um, the last few weeks with all the opening, it's just been exciting for me because I can get to go see everyone and play a little bit and um, be, be my kitchen person again. But I'm going to tell you, uh, my family is very appreciative that I'm not cooking anymore because when I go home, I do cook. So they get to eat well now. Before, they didn't eat very well at all. Well, so. you, have you taught the kids to cook? Absolutely. Yes, yes. We have a, I have Graham, who is 16. He makes the best tacos on Tuesdays and eggs for breakfast. Uh, Remy likes to do the pasta. She's my 14-year-old. And then my 3-year-old, we're actually teaching her those little knife skills right now. So at the age of two, all my kids got a little knife, and that was how they contributed, just by chopping bits and pieces. 
So you gave the two-year-old <laughs> yes. a knife set? I know you're looking at me a little weird and I'm feeling a bit, um, I don't know, maybe I'm not very good mother <laughs> right now, but they're good. They're very safe and I'm thankful that I haven't had to go to the hospital for any stitches or lost fingertips. <laughs> I am holding up my left thumb. <laughs> About a year ago, oh, no. I finally broke down and I got some really nice, nice chef's knives. And one night I was Uh-oh. low light, hadn't bothered to turn the light on, and oh, I'm no. chopping a shallot and all of a sudden, ka-chunk. There went the thumb. So Yeah. ER. Were, were they able to stitch that back up? Oh, yes. It's just it, it's still, I don't have the right sensitivity to it. And that'll, that'll be, but you know what? If you'd have had dull knives, it would have been way worse. Yeah, and you know the problem is now. Now it is a dull knife. I need to get it. I need to get it. I need to get it sharpened. I know someone who knows someone who can sharpen knives. <laughs> yes, uh, I may be talking to you about that. So, you know, I, I, one of the things that has been wonderful for me, and I know a lot of others, is we are back skiing. And I yes. remember March fourteenth, Saturday. I was here at Deer Valley. I remember having my beer and blueberry pie to end my <laughs> ski day down in Snow Park Lodge, and that was it. It was it. It was, um, that was like, you know, none of us have lived this, obviously. And so it's still so real to me, um, even though we're, what, nine months after or, or so. And um, God, it, it was just, it's surreal. Everything about this is surreal, but it is exciting. Um, we planned from that day forth, uh, we have met as a team here and we've done nothing but plan. And we never really thought there wouldn't be a a 1920-21 season. We anticipated we were going to go for it no matter what. Um, you know, there's lots of rumors out there, but I feel like this team here has done the safest thing in educating themselves and setting up the protocols. And um, it's, it's unbelievable what is happening out there. My own personal experience just going to Deer Valley and other resorts in Utah is there's been a lot of innovation. We'll talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit more with you but innovation and dedication to make everyone feel comfortable. And at least so far, I've, I've seen skiers really responding to that and responding in kind. People could be, yes. could be difficult during this time, but everybody seems to be working together. I know you've had a lot of innovations here. Uh, we've talked on the podcast about what some other resorts have done, and I just feel good to be out there skiing. Yeah, you know, I think that's the ultimate goal is to get everyone back in the healthy, fresh, crisp air that we have so that, you know, maybe that's a way to fight this pandemic. Um, but, but we have been creative and we've had to really change everything in food and beverage. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure we haven't changed something somewhere um, to make it a better experience, give it a guest experience. Uh, that Div Valley guests know we didn't want to falter on that. We didn't want to keep taking. We wanted to keep giving. And I feel like we've succeeded pretty well so far. Did they teach you anything about this at culinary school? <laughs> oh my God. That's when I cut my first finger. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wish they had have. I do. Um, what I am thankful for is having the smarts about us in culinary school to give us the education on, you know, we're an industry that, that has people's lives in our hands daily. And I know that sounds very harsh in the way you say it. it's not like a ski patroller. Obviously, that's a real life. But with so many allergies out there and so many health concerns and, you know, the salmonella, the listeria, everything, 
we are educated. We're we're a team that really has to have that on the forefront of their mind all the time. So I think I'm going to answer with a yeah. They kind of did teach me in culinary school. Look how I just got to that. <laughs> in, in some indirect way, yeah. they did prepare you for this moment. I should thank them. <laughs> so Jody, let's go into your background, and I I know from your accent that uh, you didn't grow up in Utah. Give us a little bit of an idea on how you got into skiing, first of all. Uh-huh. And how you got into culinary arts and hospitality? This couldn't come at a better time, this question. Um, Lately, we've been doing some, you know, pondering of our past and our childhood in my family because the dear friends that we grew up with are um, becoming elder in their lives. And, you know, we're all just kind of growing up and reminiscing. Anyway, the first couple that took us and my dad and my family away arrived at our house at, uh, oh, it was probably midnight on a... Friday night and we drove six hours to the ski resort I think I was seven years old at the time maybe I was nine I'll go with seven feel like I've skied longer than that and then um, we got in the back of this truck and the truck had on the side Gosford shoplifters I grew up in Gosford the company was a cabinetry company so he had named it Gosford shoplifters so two families about 10 people put all the mattresses in the back with all the ski gear, everything we possibly could, pillows, blankets, heaters, dogs, I think we had in there as well. And we drove the six hours to Perisher in New South Wales. And that was my first experience of skiing. In Australia. In Australia. So, you know, you've been there. I know you have. And we don't have mountains. We have hills. But that was hard at that age. <laughs> well, it is. And, and I grew up in the Midwest where we have even smaller hills. Ah, so, there you go. Yeah, 300 feet was actually pretty good back, yeah. back there. So this is really quite a difference. How about on the hospitality and the culinary side? Was there a point as a young girl that you kind yeah. of fell in love with that? I think I always had that love for it. My, um, my, both my grandparents had, were great cooks. Uh, my dad's mom was a phenomenal baker and did wedding cakes. So I want to say that my first experience with culinary cooking is admiring her fancy work in the fondant. Um, I got up on a chair and stuck my thumb in it and uh, never regretted anything more in my life. However, I've been cooking ever since. So um, kind of funny how that ties through. No, it really is. I think back often as to where I got the interest myself, and I really can't pinpointed. I do remember that someone sent me a cookbook when I when I first moved away from uh, friends and went to a new city where I was really on my own. Somebody sent me a cookbook and then I started getting bills for the cookbook. Oh. <laughs> and, and I didn't really know what to do, but I said, you know, I like this cookbook. <laughs> so you keep paying. Well, I love it. Yeah. So I, I figured, well, it was worthwhile. And, and it actually, I, I think, was a, was really a good investment. So how did you, uh, Deer Valley is a long ways from, from uh, Australia. So how did you eventually make your way here to Utah? So I'm going to go back just a little bit to set the tone. Um, I was 16 years old and young silly and in an assembly at school where this company called AFS and that stands for American Field Service and they came and gave us this great spiel on being an exchange student and I just stood there and said well I'm going to do that and uh, next year a year later after the whole selection process here I found myself in Argentina so I didn't know any Spanish I didn't know anything it was kind of daunting actually Um, so 
spent the year there, went to school, came back. The condition of going there was coming back and finish high school. So once high school hit, I had to make a decision. Wow, what am I going to do next? You know, I had the travel bug and I'm thinking, oh, I had uh, two options that I could figure at that point. One was to apply for an apprenticeship with a, a hotel in Sydney, the Sydney Boulevard Hotel. And the other one's to join the police force. And I would say I'm rather thankful that the apprenticeship came up first and I succeeded in that because I've traveled the world. <laughs> How did the police force come up? <laughs> I have no idea. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, where I was born in Goulburn is where our police academy is. And so we would travel back in there forth. And then my cousins and my uncle. So I, I have uh, family members that are in there. My cousin still does the mounted police. So I think it was just that fascination. And I would have been okay. I was doing karate at the time I thought I was pretty tough yeah <laughs> do you still know karate I still know it <laughs> okay look out folks <laughs> it doesn't serve me so well <laughs> well I was going to ask if you use it in the kitchen <laughs> I know I have a knife <laughs> okay that's even that, that's even better now you did a stop in London as as well didn't you I did so after my apprenticeship I did all of that went to Charlotte's Pass which is in New South Wales worked there a few years uh, on and off, and Michael Whitnell, who's still a ski instructor here, was recruiting. So I found myself in the matter of a year or two with a round-the-world ticket, first stop Deer Valley, first visa people that ever came here. There was myself um, and two others at the time, Michael and then my friend Donna. Uh, we were the only visa people here for H2Bs. We worked the season, and then I kept traveling one way around the world. I ended up in London. Uh, when, we, when you're part of the Commonwealth, you get visas to work anywhere, so we're pretty darn lucky. <laughs> so I opened up a, a little restaurant there called Toast in uh, Hampstead Heath and did that for a while, and then I just used that as my little area to travel around the world. It was super awesome. So when you eventually landed in Utah, what was it that made you say to yourself, this is where I want to stay? You know, I'm still not sure I ever said that. <laughs> Well, you're still here. <laughs> I'm still here. So deep down, I knew it. You know, I think uh, my love of culinary and teaching, I think, is what it came into. When I walked into the kitchen here, it was a small crew, and uh, they did a phenomenal job, and they still do, obviously. Um, but I was able to bring in new types of cooking and new types of cuisines because I had done a lot of traveling, um, and I felt very at home here. I think that's really what it was. Deer Valley employees that have been here a long time and are short-term, they, they just – it's home. It their family and I think that that just always resonated with me um, I loved to cook I loved to teach cooking there were plenty of people here that wanted to learn and I felt respected and loved so you've held many different roles in your tenure here and you've been here I think since around 1997 right yep the, uh, I've been this is my 25th year yes 25th year yes in 96 97 season and you know what's interesting about Deer Valley and I don't know if this is very common but the longevity of employees here is, is really amazing. It is. I have employees that have been here since inception, uh, before we even opened in the food and beverage department, and they I learn from them every day. Um, but you're right, I have had many roles. I started uh, in the kitchen down here, and I'm going to tell you a story I don't think I've shared in a long time. I came here and didn't tell anyone I could cook. I had a certificate and everything, and I just didn't want anyone to know. I came to ski. Then within two weeks of the kitchen, they put me in the employee dining room and I just 
couldn't hold back. I was like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. I want to do it. I want to do it. So I ended up running the employee dining room my first year here and I haven't looked back. So from there, I went into the kitchen and I did the day restaurants and I've done a little bit of everything. I helped open up Empire Lodge after the Olympics um, or during the Olympics, actually right before. Um, and then, you know, met the man of my life, had a great family and voila, I'm right here now and very lucky that Julie Wilson was my mentor the entire time and uh, she believed in me probably more than I did and that's how I ended up right here with you today. Did anybody in HR ever come back to you and say, Jody, that was never on your resume? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think they looked, they just wanted bodies. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> you know, I, I hate to say it. I was an H2B visa, uh, and, and we're looking now. We lost them this year, and, and they're critical to the industry, I think, in many different ways, not just food and beverage, but for ski instructors. So um, I, I think that if we could ever have that moment back in life, we'd definitely do it. You know, I don't want to go too far down this path, but it is interesting that you came here as an H-2B. And I did. That's a controversial topic. But, it is. But, but H-2Bs <laughs> and other visa categories are really essential to the lifeblood of resorts. To any seasonal resort, I think. That's where you get your professionals that want to keep around, stay around, and, and that's what their life is. It's their passion, so it comes natural to them. So what is it about hospitality and food that really strikes a passion in you? Oh my gosh, I think food just tells a story and I think that it could get so creative with it. I know it just excites me in a way that I can look in the ki I can look and just I can feel what that particular product wants to be. And then I can also take what I learn from the people around me and what I really really like is if you get a group of chefs together. I don't know if you've ever stood in a kitchen and done this and the one person comes up with a chef and then in the next 10 minutes, you have a dish that's completely different, but it was a team effort. And so I really think it's that camaraderie that I love so much. And the food is just a bonus of it. You know, I think many people, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example, you start cooking off of recipes and you get yes. recipes from mom or from a magazine or the internet or wherever you get them and you start cooking them. Yep. But eventually you start using those recipes more as kind of guidelines. They are a guideline and that is so funny. We get asked for recipes here quite a bit and um, for the most we can produce them, but for the soups and things which everyone loves, there's no recipe. We're, we're, we're winging it and uh, you're right. I remember the first recipes I learned. I could probably rattle them off right now chocolate caramel slice I knew it by heart and now I don't even look at a recipe I wouldn't even know how to read it anymore it's so bad it's just a guideline <laughs> so so I'll go to the grocery store and my wife will call me and say what are we going to have for dinner and I said I have to wait till the food speaks to me yes so you're a you're a culinary manager how does the food speak to you you know, I think you can see in, um, let's take a steak, for example. You know, for me, I'll go to the grocery store or when we're lucky, we get good product here. So we have specs and stipulations that we're looking for. Um, so within our kitchens here, we'll tell our purveyors, you know, I'm looking for this. I don't want this. And, and I think as you start to cook over time, you learn to know 
what things look and feel and taste like. So you can take something that's raw and you can imagine that finished product. And so I think it takes time and tenure to be able to have the, sp the food speak to you. Um, but, you know, I can look at a nice marbled piece of Wagyu beef right now and know how fabulous it is. And then I'm going to add the foie gras to it, which, you know, the LA people probably won't like, but a lot of people still do. <laughs> so I, I think it's something that you, you learn over time. It's like tying your shoes. You, you don't know straight away how to do it, and you can't figure out how mum does it. You'll figure out your own way. Um, so I'm, I don't know. It, it, that's a hard question, really. <laughs> so when you, when you look at what you have to do here every day, you have a number of your venues where you have a set menu. It's the menu for the season, and you've got right. to stick with that. Yep. And you have some venues where you can be a little bit more creative every evening. Correct. And so that helps us. Um, actually, what that does not only gives the guests an amazing experience, um, like fireside and seafood dining, they will um, change menus every two weeks. It used to be every week, but right now it's a little hard to do that. So yeah, and for that, we want to keep the creativity. And I, I say that we need those restaurants and we also need the stability of what the skier expects during the day. And what that does in the background is that helps us grow employees from you know that little bud that came into us at 14 years old that is still here at 35 years old and is now running the place and we get to teach and nurture them in such a way so the way we have our restaurants set up really really is conducive to that and that's probably why we have a 60 plus percent retention rate we're so lucky so I, I think I love the way we do it here. So you have to do all of that every day in a mountain environment where you have the elements, you have <laughs> lodges that are not that accessible. Correct. How much of a challenge does that put into what you do? You know, um, I think that you have to you have to adapt over time. You know, I'm not ordering today for tomorrow. I can't do that. I have to be ahead. And so, like we spent the whole summer on our COVID plan, we spent the whole summer figuring out what we wanted to change on the menu, what has to be staple. And we also reevaluate what we've bought in the past and try and upgrade it all the time uh, so that the, it's always the better experience. Um, for example, you know, turkey chili, we need a lot of turkey for that. So we go out and we have a great company that does it for us and, and we, we work with them to make sure that there's no fat in there, that that's mostly white meat. We keep the bones so we can make stock. And so there's so much background work that people don't know to get the food on on the plate, but I think that's what keeps us all going as well, especially when many, many of our guests are sustainably and environmentally mindset. So we can give that story, and I think a story is amazing um, when it comes to food as well. The other challenging thing that, that I've noticed over time, you, you have a couple of really amazing evening dining experience. One, fireside dining up yes. at Empire Lodge up in the mountain, mm -hmm. and then the seafood buffet here at Snow Park Lodge. Right. I don't think people realize sometimes when they come in how you've had to completely transform an entire building in a period of an hour or two. It is. It's a theatrical experience. And I remember one of our old chefs, Steve, he was here forever, and he was so artsy and crafty. And if people that don't know, food and beverage is a very creative profession. And so what the chefs have to do is they have to turn the stage over. And that's how we look at it. We've got the stage during the day, and then at nighttime it has to become this fashion parade um so but instead of using clothes and shoes we've, we're doing it with food 
and it's unbelievable what these guys can can pull off and and not only that the experience they get here they're not going to get anywhere else because I don't know any resort that really does that Um, you know changing over and utilizing a whole lodge environment to make a beautiful dining restaurant at nighttime with sleigh rides even yeah it is amazing the sleigh ride is wonderful it is it really is I I know there's no such thing as a typical day But Jody, what's a typical day like? You know, it's as typical as it gets. You know, I'm always on call. I always wake up to a few texts, a couple of phone calls, no problem. They're always usually pretty easy or just saying hi. Um, I like to get up and I generally go to the gym, get changed. I head into Div Valley Grocery Cafe, go visit the guys there. Good coffee, that's why. That's my first stop. Uh, and then it depends on, you know, like today the ski count's a little higher and it's a little later in the week where people have checked in. They've been here a few days. So we just opened Empire. Now that's going to be popular. So I'll head up there for a little bit. Um, maybe I've gotten a phone call during the day where Silver Lake's like, oh, we're a little short on stock. Can you come fill in with them? And same at Snow Park. I office at Snow Park, so I spend a lot more time down here. But I do like to go and see everyone who works for us and to make sure that they don't need anything from me and I can't offer them anything. So I like to touch each point every day. Do you ski around the mountain? Yes, I wish I could. I've done that. And I, when the cabins are open, I'll totally go back to doing that. And what I do like is my kids come up and I'll meet them and then we'll ski between a lodge. So awesome. the answer is yes, but not often enough. So you are also in a world where trends are constantly changing. Oh, yes. How do you stay on top of that? I cheat a little bit. And now I'm going to have to share, aren't I? Yes, you are. (laughs) Um, So most of us know when you're from Australia, we're a season ahead of of everybody else. And that's key for me. I definitely keep in touch with a lot of friends that are in the industry there. I read a lot of magazines. And I always, I feel my job is to keep everyone educated on what's coming next. So for me, that's the exciting part about not cooking and having to sit in my office and answer emails, I can I can double down and research what's coming. Um, and there's some great areas in this country that are also ahead of the game and researching as well. So I make sure and follow the right people and look at the, what trends are happening everywhere. There are some really good resources and I've got some really good contacts. So that's how it helps me. But really, it's the Australia connection. What are some hits you've had the last few years with new additions to your menu that have been really popular? You know, I think Silver Lake's been our biggest hit up there. A few years ago, we did a remodel, if you recall, um, and we added in uh, a fa station. Uh, that was a pizza station before, but what we found is the pizza was in one room and the family wanted burgers in the other room. So we took all those fun items, put them all together and gave us a trendy, fun a healthy option in the ski resort. So that is a very, very popular thing we changed. Uh, The other thing we added was the taco station up there. We took the deli station away, put in the tacos, and I'll tell you what, they are so popular. I think I hold the record for the amount of tacos sold on one day. The tongs were getting very heavy. (laughs) I I loved what you did with the taco station. Isn't that that awesome? It was right up my alley, and I couldn't believe you did it for the price you did it. We did. We did. And then, you know, what a lot of people didn't know, secret insider tip, you don't have to get all three. You can get one. You can get two. You can get six if you want. I never got to six. No, I think that's too. We fill them up. We stuff them. <laughs> I, I, I hit three for sure. Yeah. I have to ask you about one, about one other item, and I, I suspect it probably has been on the menu, but I only noticed it this year. 
but you've got a hot dog on your menu. We do. We have a very famous hot dog on our menu, and we have people that come and buy it by the case because they love it so much. And um, We've always had it. It's an all-beef hot dog. It's nothing fancy. It's just what we just did our research and made sure it had the least amount of artificial uh, flavorings and all of that. So it's an all-natural beef hot dog, and it comes with, you know, the mushrooms and onions and cheese and onions, whatever you want. But I didn't try and keep it a secret. I am surprised you've been here so long. <laughs> I was just I was distracted by it. The kids love it. <laughs> well, I, I was just distracted by the stews and the turkey chili and go. my kind of go-tos, you know, so... Uh, I get it. But but I'll but I'll give it a try. You didn't bring any with you today. No, though. I'm sorry, but I'm sure I know someone. <laughs> We're with Jody Rogers, Director of Food and Beverage at Deer Valley Resort, and we'll be back after this short break and we're gonna learn about the history of turkey chili. That's right. One of the most wonderful places to visit during the holiday season is Utah's Stein Erickson Lodge at Deer Valley. Olympic champion Stein Erickson brought a special style with him from Norway to Deer Valley, a feeling that still pervades Stein Erickson Lodge today. I try to stop in whenever I can to take a look at Stein's Olympic medals in the trophy case in the lobby or enjoy lunch at the Glitterin restaurant. I was there last week to check out the amazing gingerbread house on display in the lobby. Make sure to bring the kids for that over the holidays. Stein's is Utah's only Forbes five-star hotel and spa with a world-renowned culinary team led by Chef Zane Holmquist. My wife was quite pleased when I just told her we were going to Sunday brunch soon at Stein's. The legendary Stein's Skiers Buffet and the Sunday brunch are both available all winter long, now being served family style. Little insider's opry ski tip, if you have the family in town with you for the holidays, bring the kids to the Champions Club Entertainment Center after skiing. Steiner Erickson Lodge is located in Silver Lake Village, a great spot for lunch or opry skiing. Now let's get back to our interview with Deer Valley's Jody Rogers. And we're back at Deer Valley Resort in Snow Park Lodge today with Jody Rogers. Jody, everybody who's been to Deer Valley has had the turkey chili. Now, I don't honestly know the history, but do you have an idea of when it began and how it became so popular? Yeah, I, w- I want to say um, Julie shared a lot of that with me. My memory's not so good. However, um, it was right when they opened up um, the first or second year, I believe. Up in Silver Lake, they had a chef, and like I mentioned before, keeping the creativity, having fun, letting the chefs be be awesome at what they do, and one of the guys wanted to do a take on chili. He was just having some fun so the chef up there came up with this turkey chili and uh, it was a special and that's how most of our menu items become about is we run specials people love them so we keep them and we've n- we'll never be able to get rid of turkey chili so yeah just a chef that was being creative and is there have you ever been able to pinpoint what it is I mean do people feel it's a healthier version or (laughs) is there something about the taste uh what is it you know I think it's a little bit of all of those things it looks different it is different it's a white version yes people think the turkey is a lot healthier well and it is a lot healthier but the turkey chili it's just different and fun and I think um it kind of it melds together and kind of gives the uh, Mexican community or the south south you know southern cuisine the people in the community were 
were represented. And so I think it's a fusion for for those um, immigrants that come in and the, the natives to the desert. It's, it's an interesting concept. Do you have any idea how much turkey chili you go through a day or in a season? Yeah, so I was asked to track this one year. Um, it was just a couple of years ago, and we were doing it for uh, our employee information. And we were going through on the busiest days at each lodge uh, anywhere from 50 to 100 gallons a day. And that's during the 10-day business, you know, Christmas period alone. Uh, so it's a little less on every other day, but that's that's a lot of turkey chili. If you take, I think we have 123 days in the season, somewhere around there. It's a lot. Millions. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> I can't do the math that quick, but that is, that is a lot of turkey chili. It's a lot of kettles. We look at it in kettles because it's a 50-gallon 50 50 batch. Um, so it's like, how many batches have you made? And each batch is four to five buckets. So it's, we talk in buckets and batches. <laughs> you cook big. Big. <laughs> Very big. Yes. Do, uh, you know, the other item that I really like kind of on that same vein are the various stews that you put out. Yes. Oh, the beef bourguignon down here is delightful. It, it's amazing. And, and particularly, I'm a big fan of fireside dining, the stews that you put out there as well. You know, I remember when we came up with the veal stew, uh, that was one of the staples that we wanted to have there. And that was a fun recipe to develop with the team. Um, but you're right. I think, uh, to me, stews speak mountains. They're, they're comfy food. They're homey food. You're out freezing on the mountain, and you can come in and just warm up with that bowl of stew with your hands and, and tummy and what have you. And I agree. I think they do a fabulous job. Now, we've touched on a number of things that you have innovated here at Deer Valley Resort during COVID. Yes. And maybe you could just go walk through some of those things. And I know that all resorts are facing this right now, how to, how to create a good customer experience and, and keep everybody comfortable. What has been your approach uh, on food service in trying to continue to provide a good experience, but doing it in a safe manner? Yeah, that, that's uh, been a really big team effort. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we were very lucky. We have a great relationship with the health department. And so part of our job has always been the health and safety of any diner that we have. Uh, but now, you know, it's not just food service, is it? It's people being around people and it's about crowding. Uh, so we've taken out the majority of our seats. We have about you know, 30% to 40% of our seats that we would have had generally with definitely social distance. Uh, one thing, one huge change that, that's been, uh, you know, we're still adapting right now is all of our day cafeterias have gone to a la carte service. And so you'll come in and it's not like people can just mull around and enjoy our beautiful lodges like they could before. They have to have a reservation. They can walk in and make a reservation, but yeah, you have to be greeted by a host, uh, sat down, and then the server will come and serve you. All our menus are online, so we've got less contact tracing there. Um, that's been a big thing. You'll notice all over the floors, there's little deer heads with arrows, and that's our social distancing stickers of six feet. Uh, our tables are at 10 feet right now. Uh, so we really overthought it a little bit, but my philosophy behind all the decisions we made was, let's try not to take anything away. Let's try and give them the guest experience, the Deer Valley difference, and really try not to take anything away. Um, so that, that was how we kind of operated there. Were you able to also draw on the experiences of other partner resorts across Altera? Yeah, you will. You know, we talk a lot. Actually, we have monthly calls and we kind of brainstorm together on those kind of things. Unfortunately, every state's different. Uh, and right now, I think we're the only people serving inside right now. 
uh, due to the COVID. So we're extremely lucky to have in 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 facility dinings. They're all on decks or outside or grab and go. Um, so yeah, we have been been kind of collaborating on all of that. It's 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 been very hard. It's such a this industry's been hit so hard. It, it breaks my heart. You are very involved in the industry, I know, and do you stay in touch with colleagues around the country and around the world yeah. to see what they're experiencing? I do, I do. I have lots of friends um, way going back to my culinary days at the Sydney Boulevard Hotel. I have people in England that I still keep in touch with. Some of them have moved over here to San Francisco and um, following the great people on Instagram. And what did we do before Facebook and Instagram, right? That's how I keep up. <laughs> um, but And people that have come and gone from here as well have gone on to do wonderful things. So I feel really lucky to form some amazing relationships. You know, one of the terms, we've all learned a lot of new terms in COVID. Yeah. And, and one that skiers have probably not used a whole lot in the past is grab and go. Uh-huh. And grab and go is hugely important right now. What can I grab, put in the pocket of my parka, and eat on a chair? Absolutely. Not mull around and find a table. You don't need a table. You just get on that chairlift, and what we're going to offer you is a, a great, uh, we have Mediterranean vegetable wraps that you can throw in your pocket. We have our chicken Caesar wraps. We have a buffalo chicken wrap that you can put in there. We still have turkey chilies. So you can grab that and take it in a cup and go. Your coffee, anything like that. But we really try tried to do that menu around what people could put in their pocket, get on the lift, or even enjoy the, the scenery at the top of the mountain and eat it. You have been very active in the community, I know, and have been particularly interested in kids. Yeah. Talk about your engagement here in the, the greater Park City community and how you have been able to give back to others. I am very lucky that we have uh, we've been in times where lots of nonprofits have started to evolve around things that I'm passionate about. Um, so I've been very involved in EATS, and I think most people around here would know that it stands for Eat Awesome Things at School. Uh, many many years ago. Uh, when that developed, I was at the first meeting in the district um, to, to, to figure out how we could get from scratch cooking into schools. Uh, that was the ultimate goal back then, but also how to educate kids on what's healthy, what's not, really help them understand about gardens and vegetables and just the nutritional value. What we realized is there was a niche that was missing. There, there, you know, there's free and reduced lunches around here, and, and we wanted to be able to raise money so that they could eat too. Um, so since those days, the EATS programs come on to have, um, they have gardens in, uh, so vertical gardens in every school. They have outside gardens in most of the schools. The kids are being educated on it. I've gone in personally and taught classes on vegetables or how to cook or knife skills, you know, so they don't cut their finger. But I just love going in and teaching them what, what's natural and what's nice. And, and, you know, not all of them are lucky enough to be able to know a cucumber goes on a vine, you know, and you can pull that and eat it. They know they can go to the grocery store and it's wrapped in plastic, and to actually have a kid in front of you, have that aha moment, just, it melts my heart. I, I, I love it. We are really blessed in this community to have so many nonprofits that yeah. address these niche areas. But EATS is one that I've watched grow over the last few years. Yeah. And I know your engagement has been really instrumental for those kids. Well, I, I'm very thankful that they're willing to listen to me. I think they really just like the accent. <laughs> Well, that certainly work, work that it work that in your favor <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Jody, just a few thoughts in closing. You're mm -hmm. um, 
you have been uh, recognized, I know, with many, many awards. Uh, is there one that really stands out for you, though, as something yeah. that really warmed your heart? There was, and it wasn't that long ago, and it was right when I took over this position, so I wasn't cooking so much anymore, and it was the Utah from uh, the Utah Restaurant Association awarded me with the Utah Chef of the Year. Um, why that was so special is, one, they kept it all from me. I mean, I sit on the board and I had no idea. Uh, the funny story behind it is I didn't really want to go that night. I just, you know, sometimes you just don't want to do those things. And anyway, my, my team was all coming. I had no idea. I'd been forced into going down. I'd brought my daughter because my husband had to go work. You know, it was a series of unfortunate events. And I got there and I had a wine. And the next thing you know, the awards start. And I have a mouthful of food. And they're announcing like what I would think is the top award <laughs> first. And I about cried and choked on my meat. But <laughs> it's like it was my name. And I was like, oh, my God, that's why all these people are sitting by me right now. <laughs> uh, so that was really special for me. Those are really the best. They were. It was. And to spend it with my team and for them to do it all behind my back. I mean, there's no joking. Chefs cannot keep a secret. And they kept that secret. It was impressive. <laughs> I do a lot of awards programs, and I, I've tried to do that in the past, and I've accomplished it, but it's really hard to yeah. keep something like that a secret. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, congratulations to you. Thank you. A, a few other thoughts before we get to our fun round of fresh Ooh, tracks. Yay. You work in an industry that really has been under siege now the mm. last eight or, eight or nine months, but you seem to have a very positive, forward-thinking, optimistic viewpoint on things. You know, I again, I'm so lucky to be surrounded by so many intelligent people. Uh, I sit on the board for the Utah Restaurant Association as well, also the Park City Area Restaurant Association, and to be in the midst of a pandemic and watch people lose their businesses, it, it's it's heartbreaking, and I, I just can't stand for it. I've always tried to be that positive, happy person that brings the best of everyone out but I really look at this pandemic as an opportunity I mean you know that's the Div Alley difference that they've taught me and I think that we have to take these opportunities learn from them and be the leaders I mean we right now have an opportunity to be the best again you know back in the 80s when we opened up Div Valley was it for food and we now have that priority to make sure that we continue that with a pandemic and also achieve it and, and have those goals set. Do you see that there are some innovations or changes you're making now that will live on past the end of the pandemic? Absolutely. You know, Royal Street this year, I still can't believe my aha moment there. We served on the larger deck. You know, we've always served over by Royal Street up there, and it's closest to the lift. And uh, small deck, you could only do like 70-something people. Well, we moved it out so we could social distance this year. We used the larger deck. We had more tables in there, and we were more successful than we've ever been. So out of every pandemic comes something good, and we'll probably continue that. Well, I hope we don't have to test things no. in pandemics again, but, <laughs> Me either. but I do think that there will be some good things uh, coming out of this. Any advice for guests coming here to Deer Valley Resort this winter, yeah. be it for the holiday or whenever in the season? Well, I think if people feel safe in traveling, Deer Valley is definitely a safe place to be. Um, but be aware of the changes, and our website has every COVID-related protocol that we have 
externally, internally, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, for the guests, for the employees, on the website. So go in and educate yourself and know that we are doing reservations because we do want to keep people safe um, for restaurants. Um, and then if you've got uh, condos and, and you've got plans to come out here and you don't have a ski ticket, you need to get it now. Now's the time. Get online and get those ski tickets. You can also get information at SkiUtah.com, and they've yes. done a great job at indexing that for all of the resorts across the, uh, across the state. Uh, one final note before we get to our fun round. What has the hospitality industry meant to you? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think the hospitality industry has helped me grow into the person I am today. It's helped me be patient. It's helped me be nurturing. Um, it's made me proud to be who I am. Uh, there's a lot of lot of things in the food and beverage industry that inhibits a lot of growth in women and leadership, women in leadership, and uh, Diwali and this industry has really helped me really be proactive in that. And I want to be the person that everyone wants to look up to, especially those young kids out of school. I want to go get them now. I want to teach them their knife skills at two years old, and I want to keep this business strong. Good, good words. Now we'll have a little fun. Let's do ready? it. Yes. Okay. So we're going to move on now to Fresh Tracks, which we end every episode of Last Chair with. And just a few uh, fun things to learn a little bit more about you, Jody. And a simple one, your favorite ski run here at Deer Valley? Solid Muldoon. I love Solid Muldoon. <laughs> it's hard. It's going to go straight, right? <laughs> this is the thing I shouldn't say, but <laughs> if you really go down Solid Muldoon, well, no, I'm not even going to nope, go No, you're going to get us both in trouble because no. then they'll know how I do it too. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite run outside of Deer Valley? Now, I, God, I have to think. I don't go anywhere else, and that's part of my problem. So I'm going to say I love Round Valley. I know it's not a ski run, but, you know, hiking. i got to go that route. Do you cross-country ski at all? Not yet. I'm going to. It's on my bucket list. That's good. How about your favorite activity outside of skiing? Hiking with the dogs, snowshoeing. I do like a good wine, very good wine. Any suggestions? You know, I'm into the rosé right now. Rosés have really made a bit of a renaissance. They have. Oh, and they can be, you know, so many varieties. You can go dry, you could go sweet, you can go bubbly, you can go mellow. Uh, yes, so diverse, just like me. So, let's see. Favorite restaurant outside of Deer Valley? See, this is a question that could get me in a lot of trouble. It could, but you can maybe spread it out. <laughs> Let's spread it out. Love Shabu. Love the boys and the team there. River Horse on Main is certainly a good one. And I can't not mention 350 Main. Really good collection. Yep. You, you have so many choices here. I know, in, and in that's Park why City. I don't go very far. <laughs> uh, we like River Horse in particular. Um, favorite Utah craft beer? Craft beer. Scent Provo Girl. I know that's an old one. Wow, no one has gone there. <laughs> and everyone's thinking she's female and she likes that. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you why. You must have a story. I have a story. I mean, I still have the signed poster of, of Elise, who was the um, Scent Provo Girl there for Greg Scherf at Wasatch Brewery, right? I got that's that right. right. He did some fabulous things. And I ever since he did that one, I have just respected him immensely. I don't even care what it tastes like, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, it, it's so much about beer is 
is marketing. And Greg just was a wonderkind in marketing. For those who don't know Greg Scherf, he was the one who literally yeah. changed the state law in the 80s to allow brew pubs. Yes. And he opened Wasatch Brew Pub on the top of Maine. And uh, the rest is history. He opened really a floodgate, not just here in Utah, but across the country at resorts yeah. coast to coast. There's no why we'd have way we'd have a three wives vodka right now if it weren't for Greg. That's exactly right. <laughs> or polygamy porter. Or polygamy porter. <laughs> if you were back home in Australia, what would you like? A VB, Victoria Bitter. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Last question as I pose to everyone. Groomers, bumps, glades, or powder? <sighs> I'm a lazy skier. I'm a mom and I have to save myself all the time. I gotta go groomers. Groomers are totally fine. Good. <laughs> No, maybe not so much for the people I work with, but I like them. <laughs> Let them go off to the daily shoots yep. and you can hit solid Maldives. That's it. <laughs> Jody Rogers, it has been a delight to have you with us Thank here you. today. Thank you for all you've done here at Deer Valley Resort and in the community and for really providing a great experience for all of the skiers coming to Utah this winter. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. What great enthusiasm Jody Rogers brings to her job at Deer Valley Resort. She oversees one of the toughest areas to manage at a resort right now and does it with a smile. Thanks for joining us, Jody. And to all of you listening today, thanks for joining us for another episode of Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast presented by High West Distillery. This episode has also been brought to you by Stein Erickson Lodge. Stop by this holiday season and see the gingerbread house. And Deer Valley Resort, happy 40th anniversary to Deer Valley Resort in Park City. Deer Valley revolutionized skiing by offering first-class service in the mountains 40 years ago, and that tradition still continues today. To help make the most of your ski vacation, Deer Valley does limit the number of lift tickets sold each day, so do make sure to pre-purchase your lift tickets in advance at DeerValley.com to guarantee access to the mountain. Day of on-site lift ticket sales will not be available this season at Deer Valley. Yes, things will feel a little different this year at Deer Valley, but its dedication to providing an exceptional guest service experience remains exactly the same. I've been out to Deer Valley a few times this year, and I have had a great time skiing there. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume, High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. If you enjoyed the podcast, hit the like button and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back with plenty of guests over the coming months. Now let's turn it over to Pixie and the Party Grass Boys to close out this episode. From all of us at Ski Utah, have a happy holiday. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Last Chair presented by High West. I'll see you on the slopes this holiday season.